Hey, Northwest, I want to welcome you to Online Church. Really glad that you're uh, joining us again. We're continuing our, our sermon series called Not Afraid Today. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to uh, take a moment to just cover a couple things with you. Uh, one is I wanted to share with you some recent uh, decisions that our leadership has made in regards to our eventual uh, reopening of Sunday services that we've decided on kind of a, a two-pronged strategy. One is when our state allows for groups of 50 and less, whenever our governor uh, makes that announcements that groups of 50 or less are allowable, what will happen is everything uh, in terms of our ministry will reopen with the exception of Sunday morning services. During that time, uh, we will continue to uh, record our, our Sunday services, but uh, the office will resume, will resume, Zoom, <laughs> will resume its normal hours. Uh, youth ministry will, will get going again. Classes can meet. Sunday schools could meet if they wanted to. Uh, as long as we have 50 people or less, all of those ministries will resume. At 100 people, uh, when our governor makes that announcement, we will uh, resume our Sunday morning gathering with social distancing uh, protocols in place. We'll, we'll try to space people out in the auditorium a little bit and uh, have hand sanitizer around the building and just in general be careful. So we don't know when those announcements are going to be made. And uh, honestly, this is working as well as, as you could expect it to work. Um, we're, we're grateful that you're watching. We're grateful that you're listening. Uh, we are eager to get back together, but we want to do that in a safe and effective way. So just be praying for continued wisdom. Uh, watch the church uh, webpage and Facebook page for, uh, for announcements that will uh, kind of lay out in more detail as time approaches. But I wanted to give you kind of uh, some insight onto our, into our thinking about how this is going to uh, progress as some states are starting to reopen a little bit and some communities are starting to reopen. That's the general strategy that we're going to employ. Secondly, uh, I wanted to take a minute and just thank you uh, for your financial contributions during this pandemic. Uh, there's been a lot of things uh, that have caused a lot of stress in, in this situation, but because of your generosity and because of your faithful commitment to the ministry, uh, financials has not been one of those stressors. So I am grateful to you. Uh, I, I'm honored to be uh, your pastor and minister. I'm glad to be in the boat with you guys during this time. And, and so we're gonna we're gonna come through this, and and we're gonna. Uh, be back together before you know it, but those are that's kind of a, a broad, a broad, a broad look at how we're going to do that. So, thank you for your financial contributions. Um, it's made a stressful situation a little bit less stressful, and and we're grateful. We're grateful for your generosity. So, let me pray, and then we're going to continue on in the series called "Not Afraid." All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the difference that He makes in our hearts uh, and in our minds. Um, it just makes all the difference in the world, especially in situations like the ones that we're in right now. So I just wanna pray for our church family, for everybody watching this or listening to this. Uh, just pray that a peace that surpasses understanding would invade our hearts and invade our minds and that we would find our joy in you. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I grew up uh, not in the middle of nowhere, uh, to, to be sure, but I did grow up in the country, and I loved it. Uh, growing up in the country, it provided a life of play and fun and stability and a little bit of mischief. Uh, I really loved growing up in, in the country. There was one drawback 
to growing up in the country with, with your neighbors kind of spread out and all of that. And the drawback was that our family was robbed when I was growing up on three separate occasions. One of the memories that I have is of my mom, my sister and I, my dad was at work, but we came home uh, one afternoon and discovered that our house had been robbed again. And my mom called my dad and she was really upset and she said, listen, they've stolen a bunch of my jewelry. And my dad said, Lucy, it's going to be okay. Jewelry can be replaced. And she said, but Doug, they, they've taken our TV. And uh, our family didn't watch a ton of TV anyway, but my dad was like, honey, it, it's okay. A TV can be replaced. And they said, Doug, they, they've taken your guitar. Long pause, long pause. And he said, I'm on my way home. Right? That guitar meant a whole lot to my dad. He was devastated to lose that thing. But one of the habits that my mom ended up getting into uh, during that period of time is that when we left on a trip or we went to visit someone or we were going to be gone for really any period of time, she got in the habit of hiding some of her most valuable possessions in unusual spots. And so we had an empty Folgers can that she would keep in her pantry. And she would sometimes put her jewelry uh, in that empty Folgers can and she'd hide stuff in a variety of different places in order to keep her valuables safe. And there was a lesson that got kind of ingrained to me early on. And here's the lesson. And we're going to repeat this again and again. So by the end of this video, you're, you're going to have heard this probably a dozen times. But here it is. Sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places. Sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places like a Folgers can. Sometimes that, that, that's true. Now open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul kind of expand and expound on, on this idea that sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places. There was a time when Cheryl and I would articulate to you that we were angry about our infertility and our inability to have children naturally. We, we were upset and angsty and angry about that. But listen, out of that infertility came two beautiful children through adoption. Sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places. I remember talking to a, a buddy of mine during his fight with cancer. He was uh, fighting cancer and he commented me on how close he had gotten to his family during that time and how close he had gotten to God during that time. And it's not that cancer was a good thing, right? Cancer is not a good thing, but it's that some good things happened as a result of the cancer. And it's a reminder that sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places. I have enjoyed some of the social media posts during this pandemic, people having fun times with their family, people connecting to God in new and incredible ways. We're, we're seeing how little things, like a, a sign in a person's yard, how little things done with great love can make a difference. And it's reminded me of this truth, that sometimes you find the most beautiful treasures in the most unexpected places. And this is Paul's point in 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to start in verse 7. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, right? A little treasure in a beat up jar of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. We always carry around the death of Jesus. Does that strike anybody else as kind of an odd thing to say, an unusual phrase? Having just celebrated Easter, you might expect that the Apostle Paul, who is great on the resurrection, that the Apostle Paul would say, we always carry around with us the resurrection of Jesus. It is, after all, the resurrection story that reminds us that God is always in complete control. It is the resurrection story that is filled with hope that reminds us that God is not done yet. It is the resurrection story that is a story of victory that reminds us that God always wins the story in the end. The death of Jesus, on the other hand, the death of Jesus is hard to think about, honestly. When you read that story, it's full of some of the most grotesque torture devices, not just of that generation, but of any generation. The crucifixion came as the result of kind of a, a, a Roman uh, contest to see who could come up with the most humiliating, painful, and grotesque way of killing someone. The cross was the winning entry. Our English word excruciating, excruciating comes from the Greek word crucifixion. And so Paul says, I, we always carry around with us the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. Paul understood an important truth. Resurrection happens at funerals. Healing happens in times of disease. Sometimes the most beautiful treasures are found in the most unexpected places. And listen, Paul is not some pie-in-the-sky philosopher who didn't know anything about death or sorrow or pain. Listen to how he describes uh, his life in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I have worked mar more, uh, much harder, been in prison more frequently, and been, uh, flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with robs, uh, uh, rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger for false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak? Uh, who, who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Artemis had the city of uh, Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered from a ba uh, in a basket from a window in a wall and slipped 
through his hands. That's 2 Corinthians 11. It's not just that Paul is not afraid. He doesn't seem very afraid. So it's not just that he's not afraid. It's that he's actually boasting in his weaknesses. He's boasting in his hardships. He's boasting in his trials. Why on earth? Is there a screw loose with Paul? Why on earth would he boast about his weaknesses, hardships, and trials? He tells us in the next chapter, he says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is varsity faith. Difficult seasons give Paul an opportunity to show in this text the power of Jesus. In the earlier text, it's the life of Jesus. But Paul was obsessed with this idea that it is in the difficult seasons, it is in the trying seasons, it is in the moments of hardship that people can see the power of Christ and the life of Christ revealed in our jars of clay. That when things are broken, when things are filled with hardship, when, when we face trials, it is then that people get to see on full display the power of Christ and the life of Christ. Listen, this is our moment, church, when in our broken jar of clay, in our broken jar of clay, we get to show people the treasure inside. We get to show people the power of Christ and the life of Christ in us. There was a little bit of novelty, I think, with the first stay-at-home order. It was like, oh, I'll work from home, I'll spend time with my family, I'll watch some Netflix, I'll eat some good food. And what we're seeing right now, this very week, is that this situation is devolving into anger. People now resent the stay-at-home orders. Netflix has gotten old, the Tiger King has gotten old. We want our lives back, and I get that. But this is a time, church, when things are broken, when the jar of clay lo looks like there's some cracks in it. This is our chance to show people the power of Christ and the life of Christ. See, it is one thing to say, oh, we have hope. It is another thing to demonstrate hope. It is one thing to say, oh, we have peace. Christ gives us peace. It's another thing to demonstrate peace. It's one thing to say, Christ gives us joy. It is another thing to demonstrate joy. It's one thing to say, Jesus makes all the difference. It's another thing to demonstrate the difference Jesus makes. And I think one of the best ways we can do that right now, if you're looking for uh, application that is relevant to, to, for today, I think the best way we can do that right now is resist the temptation toward anger. Resist it, church. Right? When, when we are angry, we are never going to demonstrate the treasure in the jar of clay. We have to resist anger. We are watching this pandemic be politicized. And the response is now, by and large, politicized. And when that happens, it almost always leads to angst, 
anger and frustration. And as Christians, we must resist that. The answer that people need to see most right now is not a political answer. I believe that from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. It is not a political solution. The, the, the solution that people need to see right now is Jesus. And it is in a broken, dilapidated jar of clay that people can most see the beautiful treasure inside. So yes, while things seem broken, while things seem in disarray, while things seem like they're not working very well, this is the chance that people have to maybe, for the first time in their life, be open to seeing the treasure that's been hidden inside. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul, the, the passage I read earlier, Paul uses a very specific word for life there. There are two kind of Greek words for life that are primarily used in the New Testament. The first is bios. It is where we get our English word biology, and it is the matter of life, the stuff of life, of physical bodies, the stuff you can see. Have you heard uh, the phrase, the quarantine 15? That's bios. It's the 15 pounds that we're all gaining while we're in quarantine. Cheryl and I have a theory about this. It's that because everything is canceled right now and vacations have been canceled and events have been canceled and parks are closed and all that stuff, um, right now the thing we all have to look forward to is good food. And we are all eating good food, treats, and we're putting on physical weight. That, that's bios. The other word, the word that Paul uses in the 2 Corinthians 4 passage, that the life of Jesus is being revealed in our mortal body, this is the Greek word zoe. Uh, it, it is a Greek word that is defined as the principle of life, the matter of life in our spirit and in our souls. So zoe is what is going on inside of us. And you and I, we get to think about life of one of two ways. We get to think about it as bios, the physical stuff of life, or we get to think about it as zoe, the spiritual stuff of life. And every single day we get an opportunity to think about life in one of two ways. So you eat a meal with your family. You can say, hey, we ate chicken, we drank iced tea, we had dessert, that's bios, that's the bio stuff of life, those are the facts of life. Or you can say, we had incredible conversation as a family, we laughed deeply, it ministered to my soul, that's Zoe. You go on vacation, someday we're going to do that again. Uh, you go on vacation and you can say, we went to Disney, we stayed in this hotel, we swam in the pool, that's bios. Or you can say, we created memories that will be with us forever and we enjoyed one another, that's Zoe. You're in the middle of a stay-at-home order. You can say, yeah, we did puzzles. We watched TV. We went for walks. That's bios. Or you can say, we deepened our relationships as a family. We de deepened our relationship with God. We read books that encouraged and ministered to our soul. That's Zoe. Jesus is highly interested in Zoe. He's highly interested in what is going on inside of your spirit and inside of your soul. And the great thing is that Jesus is always leading us to life in circumstances, but here's the truth. We are more open to the life that he is leading us to in difficult times. While this pandemic isn't his handiwork, and it's not, make no mistake about it, Jesus is at work. Now, let me repeat that. While this pandemic is not his handiwork, and it's not, make no mistake about it, Jesus is at work. He's leading you to Zoe. 
He's leading you to life if you'll let him. And he, Jesus, he is our treasure in this broken, dilapidated jar of clay. When you study Zoe in the New Testament, one author uses it again and again and again. John, uh, the author John loves this word, this idea that Jesus is leading us to life. There's a famous story where Jesus feeds a crowd of 5,000 people with just a few loaves and, and a few fish. And at the end of the miracle, Jesus takes a boat across the lake and the crowds follow him there. And what we quickly learn is that the crowd is most interested in bios, they're most interested in another physical miracle. They, they want to see Jesus feed them again. They want to see Jesus do something physical. And what Jesus does instead is he leads them to Zoe. He leads them to life and he gives them a little mini sermon. Here's what Jesus says in John 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Don't miss this. They were looking for Jesus to do something extraordinary. They were looking for God to do something extraordinary. And what they missed, this is so important, they missed that God had given them someone extraordinary. They were looking for God to do the extraordinary. They wanted another miracle. And what they missed was that God had given them someone extraordinary. This preaches to me. Because I have things that I would love to see God do. I'd love to see a vaccine. I'd love to see jobs saved, the economy open. I'd love to see people healed. I have a list. But in my quest to ask God to do something extraordinary, I never want to miss out on the fact that God has given us someone extraordinary. It is the person of Jesus, and I want to take that in. I want to receive life from him. I want to worship him. Jesus is our treasure in the jar of clay. He is leading us to life. He is leading us to a life that is connected to peace, that Jesus is our good shepherd from Psalm 23, who is leading us to the still waters. He is leading us to an eternal life that is connected to hope, that Jesus is our resurrected king who reminds us that death may have its way, but death does not have the final victory. It is a full life connected to joy, that he is our joy, he is our source of joy, meaning that since, it's not connect, since he's not connected to our circumstances, there is a deep down joy, hope, and peace that cannot be taken away from you. Jesus is our life. But there is another truth here. And the truth is that there is still a broken jar of clay. That things are broken right now. There is no doubt about that. Unemployment, sickness, stay-at-home orders, things are broken right now. I don't think there's any denying that. And I think trying to deny it is unfair. But here's what happens. Fear tells us to look at the broken jar of clay. 
Fear tells us to focus on what is broken because of COVID-19. And there's a lot of things that are broken because of COVID-19. But faith tells us, faith tells us to focus on the treasure. That there is a treasure in the brokenness right now that is a reminder of our savior, king, light, and life. There is beauty even in the most profound messes. Redemption, we often think about redemption as the story of the cross, that redemption says that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he went to the cross on our behalf so he could forgive us of our sin. That in the mess of our sin, Jesus comes and he brings beauty and grace and new life. And that certainly is the message of the cross, but the cross is not the only time Jesus does this. He brings beauty and he brings life to our mess. So the question becomes, how can I best demonstrate this beauty? Because we have this treasure in the jar of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So if we have the treasure in the broken, kind of dilapidated jar of clay, how can we best demonstrate the beautiful treasure inside of the mess? Can I give you a few random thoughts on this? One is focus, that we don't deny the mess. Some Christians just want to deny the mess. We don't deny the mess because we understand that the treasure is actually the brightest and the most beautiful in times of mess. It is the part, it is seeing the treasure in the jar of clay that is so, so powerful. So the Bible would teach us that we focus our heart and our mind, not so much on the mess, although we don't deny it, but we focus our heart and our mind on the treasure to the best of our ability. Here's how the apostle Paul said it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So we don't deny the mess, but we do focus on the treasure. The second thing I would say to you is attitude. This one is hard because I think a lot of things can affect our attitude. And I think it's naive to think that the Apostle Paul didn't have bad days. The Apostle Paul had bad days because he was human. But the Apostle Paul was committed to this idea that the treasure can best be seen in broken vessels. The life of Jesus is revealed in our mortal bodies, our broken systems, in times of difficulty. So here's what I see on social media is you can post about the broken vessel about the broken jar, or you can post about the treasure inside. And I'd love to see more posting about the treasure inside. Say, what does this have to do with fear? As we're, as we're talking about our attitude and we're talking about our focus, what does this have to do with, with, with fear? And uh, right at the end of the sermons where I want, since this is a sermon on fear, I thought it was important that we talk about this, but I think a sense of purpose in suffering alleviates our fear greatly. So one of the things that fear wants to do in you, and one of the things fear wants to do in me, is it wants to focus our eyes on the jar of clay, on how everything's broken and everything's messed up, and the fear then grows and grows and grows. The jar of clay becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead, a, a, a greater sense of purpose lifts our eyes from the jar of clay and it focuses on the treasure and it gives us a sense of calling. That in this, the jar of clay is broken, 
but I do have a treasure inside. And so I am going to make it my life's goal to glorify Jesus, the treasure in the jar of clay, to make his name great. I'm going to find a way to show people the treasure in the jar of clay so they can have the joy, hope, and peace that I'm experiencing right now. And that is a higher sense of call. That is a sense of calling that lifts our eyes from the jar and it focuses it on the treasure. You see, even in the biggest messes, even in the biggest messes, there's beauty. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the treasure I just want to pray for me, for everybody watching, for all of us, that we would have a sense of purpose in this pandemic, that our eyes would not be just on the jar of clay and what's broken, but that our eyes would be on the treasure inside and that we would look for and find ways to point people to Jesus. Because we do have this beautiful treasure in our jar of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you're participating in at-home communion, this is an opportunity for us to remember this truth, that when Jesus faced the greatest obstacle of his life, he had a sense of calling. He had a sense of purpose. He, he had a sense of being that treasure in the jar of clay, and that sense of calling lifted his eye from the jar and it put his eye on the purpose, which was to bring redemption uh, and salvation to mankind. And so we're gonna celebrate that together as a church family. If you have some bread and some juice, the bread represents Jesus's body, the juice represents his blood, and it's just an opportunity for us to remember this moment in time, this moment when our Savior, when our Savior found great purpose in his suffering, and he brought salvation to all mankind. We can receive communion together. Man, um, to say I miss you guys is an understatement. Uh, I do. I miss you guys. I miss preaching uh, to your live faces. Uh, I, I miss uh, fellowshipping in the hallway and just talking and laughing. And I am confident that we're going to be together soon. Uh, keep track of the website. Keep track of the, track of the Facebook page. And uh, we will certainly let you know. Uh, when Sunday morning gatherings are going to be back in place. Until then, uh, Godspeed. God, lo uh, God loves you. Uh, I love you. I'm praying for you, and I can't wait to see you soon.